0: Episode. My vacation was wonderful, Tennessee was beautiful, and it is currently October 31st, which means it's Halloween, so happy Halloween to everyone who celebrates. Um, I hope you had some amazing costumes, I hope you stayed safe, and I hope you got a shit ton of candy. So today we we'll are going to be kicking things off with a book review. I know, shock and awe, I'm doing a book review again, so without wasting any more of your precious time, let's hop on into it. book called the gray ones written by an author l.e pearson who is on inkit at the moment this story is a fantasy romance it is completed with 63 chapters has an age rating of 18 plus with a 4.9 review rating so with that all said let us there seems to be two well I'm not, i think two summaries because they have one section that says summary summary there's like Two, three different summaries. So that's, I don't know if they just couldn't decide. I mean, one says excerpt, so that's, that's whatever, but like, I don't know if you just couldn't decide what summary to go with, but already, I'm just gonna read all of it. <laughs> like, I don't know if, like, this is, I don't know, it's just kind of, it's fine to have the excerpt, but I don't know, having two different summaries is really weird because you have a third, the third one that I'm looking at right now. Um, I don't understand why you didn't just put that in the actual section dedicated for the author to place the summary. I, I don't know. Maybe you're just testing the water, see which one's more of a a, a, a gripper. But um, yeah, without further ado, let's head on into these summaries. an ambassador when the city of Knoxboro is visited by an army of elite caste warriors, the demons of the north, the gray ones. Everyone knows an invasion is imminent, and it falls upon Juniper's shoulders to appease the foreign, giant, gray-skinned warlord. So that's the first summary, and we're going to move on to where it so summary, book one of the Chainbreaker series, excerpt. The general tilted his head ever so slightly and said, Vahana, O oh Marcus, I receive you, stranger." I'm sorry if I pronounced any of that incorrectly. His voice was deep and dark, and not at all as friendly as Castlin's, but pleasant nonetheless. He then motioned his large hand at her, inviting her to come closer. She felt her heart race. Every grain in her body told her to run as fast as her legs would allow, but she obliged the warlord and cautiously walked closer. Um, I'm just going to say, like you used closer at the ending of those two paragraphs twice, so... I would say walk towards him, or close the distance between them, just to break up that repetition. "'You are here to learn the Kasanan philosophy of the people,' said the Fasath. Juniper nodded. "'Yes, my lord. It will be my honour to learn of your ways.' "'Yes,' he said, and nonchalantly inspected the city guards inside his tent. "'You should feel honoured. When you are ready, you will come to see the truth in our ways.' Fasahan lit Basaran." I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of this correctly, so I deeply apologize if I'm totally mucking this up. She listened to the foreign words, tasted them on her tongue, and was intrigued. My lord, what does that mean? The settled his gaze upon her once again and said, with a hard and final tone, Order through submission. That is your first lesson. Those words, she understood. But she had to admit that the foreign words had been more pleasant to hear for she had not understood the meaning behind them. Uh, you wrote meaning behind them then. I would just say the meaning behind them and get rid of then because them then kind of just is a little wordy. And you could tell by the way that I read it that my, my, my mind wanted me to stop at the word them. So I would just get rid of the word then completely and just leave she had not understood the meaning behind them. Now, when she did, coldness spread through her body and into her very core, order through submission. The phrase was as terrifying as it was final, but she curtsied again. Thank you, my lord, she said. I shall remember it. You shall learn it, the Vasoth said. Then he rose from his bench, revealing his full height. Juniper gasped as she backed straight into one of the guards. The general was a giant, large, but proportionate studded leather straps fell from the thick belt at his waist and shielded his long legs. The full texture of his muscled torso was revealed as he stood, and the black ink was displayed like a work of art. He stepped down from the small podium and stood only a few feet away from Juniper as he looked out on her. And that's the end of the excerpt, which, when it comes down to it, like it's very well-written. I like it. Um, I, the only problems I had with it were the two things I mentioned, which is just breaking that repetition of closer and closer, and then just getting rid of word- getting rid of the combination of them then. Um, But then we have our second summary, so we're gonna go for that. Lady Juniper, the daughter of the Duke of Knoxborough, becomes an ambassador of her people when the city is visited by an army of elite caste warriors, the demons of the north, the gray ones. Everyone knows an invasion is imminent and it falls upon Juniper's shoulders to appease a foreign giant gray-skinned warlord. When the two wildly different cultures clash, Juniper discovers that the world might not be as she always thought it was, or perhaps it will never change. One thing is for certain, her world is forever changed. War is in the air, and when two unbendable forces meet, the one has to bow to the other, eventually. What are the gains and losses in war, and who is in the right, is any? A story of forbidden love, honor, and self-discovery, The Grey One introduces a new world of tradition, politics, and history. So I don't understand why you didn't place this in the actual summary, but people are going to read first because, I mean, it's great that you have the two options, like one that's like a little bit longer than the other, but think about it in this way. What are people going to see first? They're going to see the initial summary that you have on top. That's what they're going to see. So I don't understand why you put such a short summary where everyone's going to see it first. And then you have this. Because I like this one better. It li- gives a little bit more idea of what you're jumping into. Because the, the first summary you have on top doesn't really give me any romancy vibes at all. It just gives me straight up war vibes. And this book is more than just war. It's about romance and finding yourself and discovery. Like, that's a lot of good grippers for a reader to kind of cling to. So my biggest suggestion is to put this on top. And I know that some people are like, you shouldn't have a long summary but like this isn't that long <laughs> so and i think it has like some really good grippers i mean some people really don't need a long summary some people do well with having a longer summary and i don't think that you need to shorten it just to appease other people i think if this is something that you want in your main summary point just do it who gives a shit you know but if not and this was your intended purpose that's cool too Um, (laughs) so with that all said, we are going to hit the next chapter. So we do have one section that's a preface and I'm not going to read that just because it is a little like, um, it just would make the episode a little bit too long, but I do suggest people read it. I did read it on my own. Um, they do talk about. Um, a map, and she does talk about the brief exposure of the history between the two major players of this book, uh, which is the Overture, which is something I am going to read, um, so I'm going to stop rambling and get on to that. Alvaros Tyrio, 2070 A.E. and the introduction of the Statue of the Grey Ones. They call themselves the Kass, or the Grey Ones, in the common tongue. It is not surprising. Next to the mountains, it almost seems as if they are born from them, cut from them, Their eyes glitter like gold, their hair is darkness and shadow, their voices rumble like thunder. I have never seen such warriors in my life. In Knoxboro, we called them the demons of the north. Legends have it that if you don't follow the words of Edred, if you sin, they will walk in the shadows to take your children from their beds and eat them for breakfast. Their sharp teeth are said to tear through human flesh within seconds, and their claws are strong enough to cut through anything. They want women as well to quell their carnal desires, and they laugh in the face of the builder. Everyone has heard the stories, and everyone fears them. Architects claim that brave warriors must fight these dark creatures on these shores to be able to enter into the white void and join the builder in the afterlife. But I see no barren tundra here, no bloodthirsty beasts. All I see is people, mountainous and unyielding, yes, but people nonetheless. I see children, women, elders, I hear them laugh, cry, and live. If I close my eyes, I could almost imagine being back home in Market Street in Knoxboro. I miss it, Winter Harbor and the Fair Garden. The empty moors and the roaring sea, the scandals, the politics, the rumors, the nobles, the gentry, even the paupers. My home may not be the biggest of cities in the world, nor the best thought of, but it is a free city. Still standing strong after civil war and tragedy, House of Arlington takes good care of it and always has, as proudly as their Osprey sigil would suggest, and I miss it. But it is still there, on the other side of the winter sea, and one day I will get back home. It was not my intention to travel this far north. The storm tore my sails and sunk my ship, but the builders spared me and let the waves bring me here. I am impressed by my host and thankful. They are welcoming, generous, and eager to teach me about their ways. Although they live mostly like any other people, there are things to distinguish them from what I am used to, apart from their quite intimidating demeanor. They seem to live much more freely than any... Edradian. Edradian. I'm gonna go with that. Yet they are steered with an iron fist. They have impressive forces, but advocate peace. As a member of the trade profession, I find it highly curious they manage without currency, but somehow they do. Somehow they are thriving. They have yet to tell me of their history, of where they came from, but they have told me another side of the dreadful stories I grew up hearing. In their words, they came to Nornist centuries ago, in search of new lands. They wished to spread their teachings, their knowledge. The Grey Ones wanted to teach the humans about ethics, conduct, honor, respect. They came with good intentions and were met with curiosity. For years, they kept a good relationship with the Nornish people, but then came the War of the Kings. Everyone knows the story, the king of Nornis died, he left no heirs, no one to claim the throne after him, and the desire for power led every great family in Nornis to fight for their claim. What has been news to me is that House Arlington wanted to enlist the Grey Ones, for with the help of the giant Grey Warriors, they would surely win the throne. This, the Grey Ones told me, was an insult they could not accept. It was not their war, and they had no intention of fighting for someone else's greed and corruption. So they left Nornest and vowed to never return. And thus, the kingdom of Nornest fell, bankrupted, bled out, disgraced. The six dukedoms decided to become independent of each other, but no one was to name himself king. It was because of their defeat, the Grey Ones said, that Nornish people started speaking out of the castes as if they were demons. It was petty pride and spiteful revenge. Within a hundred years or so, the memory of the Grey Ones faded. No one remembered the brief friendship they once had. All they knew were the tales of horror that stuck like tar. Seeing them now, living amongst them, I cannot imagine the stories I have heard as a child to be true. Indeed, they truly look menacing, and I do not doubt most of them are able to tear me apart if they wished it. But they are kinder to one another than many of my own people, and they take care of their own in highly admirable ways. It is true I miss my home terribly, but I cannot say that I do not live in peace and abundance amongst the grey giants. I am thankful for the kindness they have shown me, and for the many lessons they have taught me thus far. I have promised to spread the word of their true nature. I will be their agent in a world that fears them. And perhaps my stories of the peaceful people on the island of Kassaroth can one day become just as famous as the stories of the demons of the north. One day, they might even return to us. They might even join us. Okay, so straight up, (laughs) I loved that. I I just enjoyed that read so much and, you know, it kind of gives me like the opening of a movie kind of vibe, like you have that one person who's narrating, it's usually the main character, or at least a very important character of the story, and they're kind of reflecting on the past, and and it kind of gives me a little bit of like Lord of the Rings vibes a little bit. I love it though, like that's not a dig, I love Lord of the Rings, so please don't take that as a bad thing. but yeah, no grammatically standing. Uh, it's it's really well written. Um, it's sectioned out really nicely, so you're not kind of getting too jumbled. You know, it has really good detail. It has really good grammar. So I'm really excited. I actually had to redo my <laughs> my ending thoughts of the overture because I got way too excited. Um, not to like, not that it's a bad thing to be excited. It's just I was speaking so quickly and so like frantically because I was that excited that. couldn't even understand what i was saying and i think that people already struggle a little bit with that so with this all said i'm going to continue on to the first chapter so i will see you there chapter one the visitors the duke of knoxborough never thought he'd see the day when he had to greet the Gray warlord himself The day was dreary and the situation was dire a cold northern wind had swept over the shores and the ocean was restless a storm was brewing it was uncommon this time of year usually early summer was a time of sunshine and stillness these uninvited visitors had certainly anchored the builder the gray ones had claimed a large area down the harbor including the fort without the duke's permission Neither did they show any regard for the city's shipping traffic, scaring away or hindering important merchant vessels. They had announced that they had come to negotiate Lord Arlington's submission. Why the Grey Beast suddenly threatened with war was beyond the Duke, and the mere thought that he would submit to their ludicrous rules was laughable. But Richmond knew his army was hardly an army at all, and he'd better accommodate the Beastmen. This was a delicate matter that required cunning and guile. That was why he hadn't sent his forces to drive the invaders off just yet. He had, however, persisted that the warlord would come to his castle at Fair Garden, but the invitation was declined. The Duke himself had come to the harbor. Reign was imminent. Richmond wanted this done as soon as possible so that he could return to Fair Garden before the heavens opened their gates. His advisor, Garrett, attempted to instruct him how to properly greet and speak to the Grey Ones, but Richmond found the whole notion ridiculous. Why would he, a Duke, an ancestor of the great and ancient line of Nornish kings, have to bow to a foreign warlord, an intruder? Why would he have to submit to their savage ways of life? Did they not have enough? Why would they want to see like Knoxboro when there were plenty of better choices further south? When the Grey Demons first appeared on the shores of Nornest a few decades prior, claiming they were ready to revive a friendship long gone, people were terrified. Legends did indeed tell of a strange and brief alliance with the Grey Ones centuries back, but those were only stories spread by a greedy merchant to earn some coin. Even if the stories might be true, Richmond found it difficult to believe that the demons that had landed on their shores all those years ago came with peaceful intentions, and the visitors that now accompanied the docks in Knoxborough seemed positively lethal. It was as though they had stepped straight out of the netherworld. A familiar dread crawled under the Duke's skin. It was the same fear he used to feel when he was a boy, listening to the horror stories of the demons of the north. The beasts were said to hail from beyond the white void, far beyond the reach of the builder. These were no ambassadors of peaceful people. These were warriors, killers. Richmond felt the hair stand on the back of his neck as he made it through the encampment towards the large tent in the middle of the fort. He made sure his guards were close to him, ready to fight. They were greeted by a noticeably smaller gray one who bowed deeply. Vahana, Lord Richmond of House Arlington, Duke of Knoxborough, said the gray man smoothly. Let me introduce our Vasoth, our general and military leader. The beast backed away while still in a deep bow, and out of the tent strode an enormous Grey One. He was taller than the rest of them, stronger, with yellow eyes that echoed death and carnage. Richmond didn't notice that he had backed away until he slammed into his guards. Duke, the Grey One's voice was dark and resonating, any amusement or novelty. Warlord, Richmond tried to straighten, tried to look unfazed as Pearl's sweat quickly formed on his forehead. You have come to submit. It wasn't a question, but neither was an outright statement. Richmond took a deep breath. I have not come to submit, I have not come to yield. This is my city, and you have no right to take it by force. The general stood stoically, but then he moved with an ease that seemed unnatural for such a large creature. I don't think you've quite understood our demands. We are not here to take the city by force. We are here to embrace it as it submits to us. We have come to restore order to this chaos, this discrepancy. "'You have never been interested in Knoxboro before,' said Richmond. "'How come you've suddenly decided to invade?' The Grey One clenched his jaw in annoyance and placed his hands behind his back. "'You might have forgotten our common history, but we have not.' Richmond raised a brow and glanced at his advisor, but Garrett seemed to keep his attention on the Grey One. "'The war that tore this country apart centuries ago still lingers. "'The tormented souls of the city have cried out to us, and we have heard them,' continued the Warlord. "'For centuries... We believe that the people of the mainland were ill-equipped to understand our philosophies and receive our teachings now, after years and years, of awakening the people of these cursed lands. We understand that you are ready to receive us. The land is ready to heal. Without being able to help it, Richmond snorted out a laugh, ready to heal. But he immediately composed himself. I believe there might be a peaceful solution to this that neither involves you annexing the city nor me, well, submitting. The warlord furrowed his dark brows. And what do you have in mind? The question, even though it should have been anticipated, caught Richmond by surprise. He had nothing in mind, except for a long list of very inappropriate words he wanted to yell at the large creature before him. Luckily, Garrett stepped in. My lord, perhaps it is best if we draw up a few suggestions for you to consider as a peace treaty. Perhaps we could be able to offer you a piece of land to set up a religious establishment. The Duke must negotiate with the head council as well. It might take some time, but you are more than welcome to stay here for the time being. The general, the the as he was called. Turned a glaring eye to the advisor, and after a few moments of intense staring, he nodded. Very well, said the gray one. But I would like you to send me an ambassador, a highborn who can teach me the history and the ways of your people, in whom I can, in return, attempt to teach our ways. That way I will know if you are truly ready to join us. He looked at the duke, or if the land needs to be cleansed from you, the corruption once and for all. Richard wanted to shout at the large man, tell him that he was a fool, an arrogant fool who thought they, were they corruption. How dared these grey monsters come to his city and tell him that he was the corruption. However, before he had time to lose his temper, Garrett bowed to the general and said, an ambassador will be sent down here by tomorrow at noon. You must be reassured, of course, that our ambassador will be well received and respected and that you will hold off any attacks until our suggestions have been presented. The general glared at the two men with an unfazed expression. Your ambassador will be safe with us. No harm will come to whomever you send as long as he is our guest and under our tutorage. We will also refrain from any attacks during your time of contemplation. Garrett looked at Richmond for confirmation, and when the Duke gave a slight nod, Garrett turned back to the Basoth and bowed, Excellent. Looking down his nose, the Grey One said, "Parathananon, Perithononon, Perithononon. <laughs> Sorry. Perithononon, humans. As he waved his hand at them dismissingly, and returned to his tent. I got through it. (laughs) I did it. Richmond and Garrett were ushered to leave. Two burly gray ones saw them to the gates of the encampment, and just as the rain started to fall, Richmond and Garrett entered their carriage. The four guards that accompanied them sat upon their horses, and the party returned to Fairgarden. Well, back inside the castle, Richmond barked all the obscenities he had kept to himself in the encampment. I would get rid of the word, well, back inside the castle. I would maybe separate this new thing from the previous paragraph to show the the chapter break um and just say back inside the castle richmond barked all the obscenities he had kept to himself in the encampment um or just say once back inside the castle instead of saying well back inside the castle well back inside the castle richmond barked all the obscenities he had kept to himself in the encampment who does he think he is he growled that fucking beast man thinks that he can come to my city and demand my submission he thinks he can frighten me he can kiss my royal arse your Grace, I think we might have to be cautious, said Garrett. They don't send the Grey Warlord for nothing. Richmond muttered as he showed up the stairs and into his study while Garrett followed closely behind. Well, do they really think they can annex the city with a hundred men? They're outnumbered ten to one. Your Grace, Garrett said, his voice wary. Our guards are indeed competent, but this is the general and his elite warriors. Builder knows what cursed powers they possess. If they decide to attack us, we won't be able to withstand it for that long. And who knows how many more are on the Despite the anger that was still raging within, Richmond sat down behind his writing desk and pondered, so we need to stall them and send for more guards. I am certain the rest of the free cities will come to our aid once they know that the foreign invaders are at our doorstep. I agree, said Garrett, and nodded, but we will have to tread lightly on this as well. It's no secret that our relationships with the other cities have deteriorated over the years. Richmond gave his advisor a dark look. Garrett bowed, but I will send word of it. We also need to send them an ambassador by tomorrow. Who should we send Your Grace?" -"Someone who can occupy them," said Richmond, someone eager to learn. -"Someone clever," Garrett closed, his hand behind his back. -"But not someone so clever he understands we are going to stall them. It needs to be someone who stalls them unknowingly." Richmond nodded. -"Yes, the less that the ambassador knows, the better. But we need one that will be completely loyal to us. But someone who won't know too much. A woman should suffice. A woman's curiosity is internal. And slow wit undefeated. Garrett shifted awkwardly before carefully saying, Your Grace, I know this might be a bold suggestion, but what about Lady Juniper? Why would I send my daughter on a diplomatic mission? Besides, there are men who will probably starve for a woman's touch. They might be arrogant and stoic, but they value rules and honor and promises above all. Said Garrett, Lady Juniper would be perfectly safe and would surely be loyal to her beloved father, Your Grace. She's also very intelligent enough. Richard furrowed his brows. She is easy enough on the ice, I suppose. At least she isn't ugly. What a dick. Thanks, Dad. Um, at least she isn't ugly. That ought to mean something. They are still males, are they not, even though they are beasts? Garrett shifted awkwardly. I, he grunted in discomfort, I am not sure about their customs, your grace. The Duke weaved his fingers together and placed them upon his chin before he leaned back in his chair in deep consideration. And that's the end of chapter one. Okay, so final thoughts. I love this. I loved it. Oh my gosh, I love this. Um, The detail is excellent. I love the history that you've created. I love the the builder, which I'm assuming is their God. Like, I just love the creativity and the imagination that went into this. It's just, I love it so much. So freaking much, you have no idea. I mean, I guess now you do. But like, I have nothing negative to say about this story at all and that's a rarity. <laughs> um, this is actually, this is just, I'm honestly definitely going to read this on my own time because I want to know what happens next. If it wasn't for the fact that you guys probably don't want to hear me read an entire book, I would not stop here. Um, this is just right up my alley. I love fantasy stories. I love anything with this kind of history. Like, it just reminds me of a mixture of Vikings. And like just I just I love it so much Um, to get a little bit more technical the grammar is excellent I love the grammar I love the way you spaced everything so that it's an easy read like when you look at it visually it's excellent like it just really gives you that novel aspect the paragraphs aren't too long they're not taking up the whole screen they're you know filled with just much detail it flows very nicely I honestly really don't have anything negative to say about this story. There were like very few issues and they all happened in the overture with just, you know, just like like one repetition and uh, just a few words that just shouldn't be there should just be changed into something else. Nothing huge. Like this is just an excellent read. So, big props to the author. I loved it. This was an amazing, amazing story and I can't wait to read more of it. I feel like I'm going to fall in love with it, honestly. I already kind of been gushing. I feel like a school girl (laughs) Um, who just found like the cutest boy in class and is now officially like just like obsessed so thank you to the author for suggesting me to read this i honestly don't think it needs any work at all i think it's it's pretty polished where it is and like it's just amazing so thank you guys for sticking with me throughout this episode i hope you enjoyed this read as much as i did um but i'm gonna end the episode here and i will see you all in the next one cheers